Part 2 Episode 1 Five years ago, when our work expanded, we had to start recruiting engineers, technicians and scientists from the outer world to work on Triton. Far was one such technician, so let us begin with Far. He is the one who led us to the bow lady. He is the one who held the forgotten memory. He volunteered for a sleep trial where we were testing a new synth drug called dextrometaprotazine. We hoped it would speed up the integration of certain neural functions, networks that would help us get there faster. One of the unexpected outcomes or happy accidents was that it opened memories that had been dropped like a stone in water. Memories that were languishing at the bottom of a sea. Memories that were waiting for the Jaya to come along and retrieve them. Over the course of several visits to the sleep lab, we found a trace of something he'd buried so deep, we only got a glimpse of what had happened. Blink, and we'd have missed it. We imagine it must be something like spotting a deer in the forest. As soon as you realise it's there, it's gone. We thought at first it was Far who'd wanted to hide this encounter deep within the parts of his mind he had very little access to. But if he knew how to hide something like this, why would he? It was so beyond his capacity for understanding that he would have instinctively erased it. But this was more than erased. Someone had tried to eradicate it, cut all connections and burn away the bridges so it couldn't be traced. It could have been the after-effects of trauma. Trauma can make people do things they wouldn't normally do, see things in ways they wouldn't normally see, and remember or even forget things in peculiar ways. We took far back to a time before he came to Triton, to a time on the mainland, in the outer world. Far is standing on the upper balcony of the shopping mall. He's just left the cinema complex where he watched one of the Marvel Universe movies. We can feel his disorientation. He is feeling dazed after being immersed in the onslaught of the action hero Spider-Man. And now he's back to reality, leaning on the rail looking down into the central mall of the out-of-town shopping complex. He watches the small children being bounced up and down on the bungee rigging. He is holding a styrofoam cup of iced coffee, and as he turns it slowly, the animated cartoon graphic of Spider-Man emblazoned on the cup swings from skyscraper to skyscraper. Such a clever trick, triggered by rotating the cup. He is entranced by how the holographic cells catch the light. He digs his thumbnail into the styrofoam cup, creating a pattern of overlapping arcs. Suddenly, he spots the figure dashing through the crowds and instinctively moves to the escalator to get a better view. Below, a woman is cutting through the shoppers in such a way that it reminds us of how we cut through the waves in our great expanse of ocean. We are intrigued and becoming enthralled. There's a terrifying snap and a collective sharp intake of breath as one of the bungee ropes springs loose from its fastening and a child is catapulted high into the mall's rooftops. 
Everyone on both floors of the mall turn their heads to watch. Time seems to slow and the air becomes thick like jelly. We spot the woman still running through the crowd. Far is running down the escalator after her. As we map the event being reconstructed in his memory, we can't help but be amazed by how quickly his brain becomes overwhelmed with this all-consuming and compelling urgency to give chase. Everyone is watching the child travel through the air and reach the apex of its trajectory. The child becomes doll-like, so relaxed it could be asleep. It hovers in mid-air for a moment before it starts its inevitable descent. Then the collective mind of the watching crowd realises in an instant the horror of what is about to unfold once the child hits the ground. The woman runs and dives forwards. As she hits the ground she turns into a giant marshmallow-like pillow. No one notices the sudden appearance of the giant inflatable pillow. They're too busy watching the child falling rapidly back down to earth. Everyone had already imagined the sickening crunch the child's body would make as it hits the highly polished floor. But just as soon as they projected this image, it is replaced with the reality of the child landing effortlessly in the middle of a giant white inflatable pillow. The crowd let out a gasp of relief. They surge forward, surrounding the child who is scooped up and security is called. The police and paramedics arrive, statements are taken and everyone is soon back to their normal business of milling around and shopping. Far stares at the giant pillow without blinking. We feel his thoughts drift away like seaweed on a receding tide. An image comes to his mind of him as the hunter waiting in a hide for a deer to appear, is primitive and instinctive. And then, in the blink of an eye, the huge pillow is gone. We want to rewind and replay this again. We can't quite believe it. We spot the woman making her way out of the square. Far springs into action to follow her. He is the hunter in pursuit of his prey. His mind and body are united and focused on this one intention. He zigzags through the crowd, dodging round people as if they're static trees. He keeps as close to her as he can, but she's always just ahead of him. He loses her and panics. He spots her again and is off before he knows it. We feel the incredible surge of adrenaline, excitement and pure instinct. He is the only one who saw the woman run through the crowd and dive onto the floor. No one else saw her turn into a giant pillow. No one else saw her running through the crowd to save the child, even before the child was catapulted into the air. He finds her sitting on one of the stools at a sushi bar. He leans against a pillar and watches from a distance. He wants to make sure she's not going anywhere or meeting anyone. He wants to make sure she hasn't seen him following her. His heart is still racing, his thoughts are chaotic. He's finding it hard to focus. It's like the cracks in the dam wall have finally burst and water is pouring out and flooding the valley. Images from the Spider-Man movie repeat over and over. His consciousness begins to blur and fragment. 
When he's got his breath back, he walks over to the sushi bar and sits in the empty seat next to her. He tries to glimpse her out of the corner of his eye. She is hunched over her bowl, moving food to her mouth in a continuous motion of chopsticks. We notice a flash of green from a ring on her finger, a jewel, an emerald perhaps. He says, I saw what you did back there. He's trying to sound casual, but it comes out fake. She ignores him and carries on slurping her noodles. He tries to speak calmly, but his head is beginning to spin. It was something else. I mean, truly, I've never seen anything like it. His body is beginning to sway, slowly at first, so he hardly notices it. We feel like he might faint. We mouth the words with him, silently, hoping he'll not mess this up. His words hang awkwardly in the air. How did you do it? Make the pillow appear out of thin air? She stops eating, but doesn't say anything. He feels an ache in his shoulder, a dull pain in his knee, as we search deeper. We begin to theorise that magic tricks can not only be enacted intentionally, but they may also happen spontaneously, in times of great shock. This is something we never considered before. It may account for many things we still underestimate. Far turns in his seat to angle himself towards her. He's planning this to be his big finale. The hunter has cornered the prey and is about to go in for the kill. We try to see her face, but it's covered by her long dark hair. We examine the ring that seems to be emitting a light from within. No emerald can do that. It must have been fabricated. This is noted as worthy of a further investigation. We have synth materials that can generate their own light, but they're not out in the world yet. The ring is pulsing. Its light is glowing brightly, then dimming. Far is mesmerized. We feel his consciousness begin to slide. He feels lost and exhausted. He has an overwhelming urge to sleep. He mumbles, how is that even possible? It's got to be a trick, right? But a trick like that, and saving a child, this'll go viral. If I didn't see it with my own eyes, I'd never have believed it. The woman puts her chopsticks down. A line of sweat breaks across Far's brow. The intensity of the chase is catching up with him. The woman lifts her bowl into the air and holds it there for a moment, and in that moment, we feel the whole of Triton move and creak. We feel the ocean rise and fall, and in that moment she holds the bowl in the air and turns it in her hand, so the light catches the logo of the sushi bar emblazoned on its side. She turns the bowl slowly, pressing her thumbnail in, marking the ceramic surface in overlapping arcs, just as Far had done with his styrofoam cup. And in that moment, as she lifts her bowl, the bowl seems to hover in mid-air, just as the child had done. The then she lowers the bowl and slowly places it back on the bar. She gestures with her hand for him to try. She moves her hair away from her face, hooks it round her ear, and she looks at him. 
And that's when we see her for the first time, the bold lady. And as we see her, she sees us. Her expression drops, her eyes widen, there's a sudden flash of black, like when a flock of startled jackdaws fly up out of a field. We are knocked back by the flash and nearly lose our connection. We hold on by a thread and can only watch what happens next. Far picks up the sushi bowl, lifts it up in the air, even turns it in his hand just as she had done. Just how he turned his cup of iced coffee on the balcony of the mall after watching the Spider-Man movie. But now, he can't put the bowl down. The blood drains from his face. His limbs are numb and his skin feels clammy. We scramble to reconnect but something is blocking our pathway. The ache in his limbs is not from us. The sway in his body is not from the gyre. His frozen arm holding the bowl in mid-air is not of our doing. We watch her take a paper napkin from the counter and draw on it with a pen. We wish we had that pen. She folds the napkin in half and places it in front of Far. She then moves off her stool and walks away. Far is stuck like this till she's gone. His frozen arm thaws and he puts the bowl down. He vigorously shakes his hand and arm to get the blood circulating again. He looks down at the spider she's drawn on the paper napkin, scrunches it up and throws it away. His arm is stiff and achy for an hour. We try to burrow down into the numbness but it's too vague and uncertain. If he'd kept the spider she'd drawn, we could have found her straight away. We could have analysed how she held the, her pen, how she drew each line, how she shaded in the spider's body. The trace on his hand where he'd scrunched up her drawing was all we had to go on. This left us with an intriguing problem. Here was a person who'd gone to great lengths to remain hidden, and yet we were able to see her, and more surprisingly, somehow she could see us. We of course have a duty of care. We leave no trace when we've mined someone's memories. Far came out of his sleep and went back to his life, business as usual. He's a technician after all. They're the easiest to access. They're like everything black and white. They don't believe in things they can't see, things they can't reduce or calculate. He may have a few aches and pains, mild flu symptoms perhaps but he'll assume that is what is generally known as tritonitis. And we would now begin our search for the bold lady. <laughs>